Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the Alt Kings podcast. I'm your host, Tate, and today I have on one of the founders, the COO of XO Worlds, William Campbell. How are you doing today, William? Hey, Tate. Thank you so much. Yeah, I'm great. Great day. Good day to be alive. A lot of work to do, you know? Definitely. Tons of work to get done in this Web3 space, especially for building out, you know, a game in the Web3 ecosystem. I know you're developing out this game on VeChain, and I think that's quite exciting, especially for it being a metaverse. There's always something new to do and new to build. So that's great. Yeah. My first yeah. question to you, William, would really be, you know, what makes what makes Exo World unique and stand out beneath the crowd? Kind of where where'd the inspiration come from, really? Yeah, no, that's a great question. We started this just for NFTs. Lucas came up with the idea. Lucas is my brother. He's the CEO. And he came up with the idea just for some NFTs because he saw everybody was doing sort of the same thing. Oh, a couple of PFPs, maybe a little bit in 3D, but no one was really producing something that had high quality. And so he, he was an artist. He studied applied math and was also an artist. And so he decided, you know what, let's do something really careful, really awesome. And the idea went so well from the NFT sale itself that we decided, you know what, it's already a success. Why don't we keep going? And then he said, let's push it into a game. We're already in the galactic scene. The next logical step would be build an awesome game, something, something different. So already the beginning, the story was a little bit different. We wanted to strive for quality. We wanted to, we picked the chain that's a little less heard of, a little smaller, you know, like V-Chain. We felt like there was the space for that. And moving forward, we want to be different by a lot of the projects out there are not delivering, for example, to their community in the short term, rather instead, oh, we're building for the long term, right? So what ExoWorlds is doing, we're delivering a prototype, probably by the end of October, more or less around that area. And that is to show the world, hey, look at what we can do. This is a product already, Web3 product, ready for you guys. Come, earn, play, build. And it's super fun. I don't know if you've seen some of the new trailers, some of the new clips, a lot of fun gameplay. And that will bridge the gap for us to build the huge MMORPG metaverse that takes, you know, five or six years. So that already is a small, it's a small for us, but big, big point in the Web3 space about why we're different. We're already delivering something to our community. That's a great point. And I think it's smart, it's smart to start with kind of, you know, a product that might not necessarily be fully complete and fully established, but you provide that out to your community and to your holders just for them to get a feel for it. You figure out all the bugs, everything that goes wrong with it, and then you optimize and scale with that pre-developed, you know, sort of foundation that you've established, and then you grow and scale off of that. And I think that's a really smart approach that I've never really seen done with any other metaverse I know there's a lot of metaverses out there that, you know, claim to be a metaverse and act like they have everything established like a metaverse. But when it comes to reality, you know, they're not even having anything established where you can even play it yet. And that's yeah. where a lot of people differentiate, differentiate, you know, just simply just metaverses being yeah. able to play compared to not being able to yet kind of just yeah. that, that holding phase, which sucks. Yeah, well, you know, on, on that line, we're not really a, a metaverse yes, that, yet. That's yeah. our goal, right? That's what we want to do. But right now, super transparent. We're a simple game delivering a prototype. And our goal is to build that metaverse. Yeah. Makes sense. Nice. So yeah. tell me a little more about your background. Uh, you know, being the one who oversees pretty much everything operations-wise, what's your background in? Yeah, uh, so... 
I graduated in corporate finance. So I studied in, in Munich, Germany, got to meet a lot of friends there, a lot of very interesting people. I mean, professors that I, I have friends till this day, really, really, you know, awesome names. One of my professors was in micro and microeconomics, and he's one of the lead analysts for IFO, which is the economics institute that advises the German government on economic matters. You know, for example, this guy was there when the whole Greece situation was going down and and all of that, and he had lots of stories to tell. So definitely a great place to be. The family, since I was a kid, me and Lucas, we've moved around a lot. My, my stepfather was, he worked in telecom for Ericsson. And so we moved all around the world, uh, Sweden, Bangladesh, Vietnam, Australia, US, England, and then eventually Munich and now Brazil. And so I definitely got to see a lot, experience a lot of different cultures. And I never went, especially when growing up, I thought, you know, that's cool, but I'm not sure I'm going to use that in my daily life, but it's, it's always useful. You know, I see myself now working, we're expanding so many different countries, speaking different languages and all that travel, all those experiences that I had, it makes a lot of sense now, you know, and, and I'm glad I did. And I'm glad I have it. It also gives a good balance because I was business finance. Lucas was applied math. And then he went to more of the creative area, writing, creative writing and, and art. And so we give a good balance for each other because Lucas is the dreamer. He's the one who comes up with the incredible big ideas for ExoWorlds. And I'm the one that kind of focuses it down to, okay, that's a big idea. How are we going to get there step by step by step? You know, you need a little bit of both. And so I feel like we complement each other well. Definitely. What else? I mean, I it, seems, it seems like from what you said, he's got the vision and you've got the execution. Yeah. Perfect. Absolutely. And we're learning every day. You know, I'm 26 years old. Lucas is 29. And so relatively speaking, we're, we're young, but we have been in the game for several years. We got into crypto in 2018. We have some history before that, but I would say we really went in hard uh, in 2018. The first project we got into was a, a total dud. I mean, we, we lost all our money and, you know, we, we didn't stop. We kept researching. We kept trying. We found out about VeChain. And we got involved in a, in a block explorer called VeChain Stats. So it's the biggest block explorer on VeChain. A lot of great data, analytics, statistics. I mean, you know, you could compare it to like Etherscan or Polygon Scan. And it's technology-wise, it's pushing the boundary. And then Definitely. finally, we kept, 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 kept going along. 2019, 20, the pandemic hit. And we were looking for more ways to get involved. And, you know, that leads us to now with ExoWorlds. Two years in and then still going strong. That's awesome. It yeah. definitely shows, you know, dedication and determination and really just finding your own path within the waves itself, trying to figure out where you guys align with, you know, everything developing out in Web3. Everything happens so fast. It's hard to keep up with everything, of course, but yeah. really, you know, figuring out exactly where that perfect market approach would be for you guys to really just, you know, come in and stand out. What really made you guys decide VeChain over any other chain? I know VeChain is very sustainable, you know, cryptocurrency chain. What was those? What other factors were there in that decision? Honestly, the the main one, and it has nothing to do with sustainability, which was the first one, was the fact that I had just graduated university and I had learned, you know, all those three four years on how to pick strong stocks, how to pick strong equities and fundamentals. I was always more of a fundamental kind of guy, you know? And so when I started looking at cryptocurrencies, after the first hit we took, which was a little bit more hype based, we found out, oh, whoa, whoa, we're gonna make a bunch of money. Let's put in some money. And we got, we got burned. And I thought, you know, I just 
graduated university, I'm not, why, why am I being, why am I rushing into it? Why am I being so, so non-informed? So I decided to go back to the board and do a research, you know, and see who is producing, what are the fundamentals behind each chain? And there are a lot of great ones out there. It's not just Vici, a lot, a lot of great ones out there. But at the end of the day, I decided to go for one and really go in hard. And so of all of them back in the day, 2018, 2019, and the vision for me still holds true now, I saw that VeChain was working with Fortune 500 companies. Their tokenomics is based in a mathematical sense for appreciation, right? I mean, the, the, the main token generates a gas and people use that gas to run applications like Walmart or like DHL or any of the other big companies are using. And the more you burn the gas, the more that the gas production, which is the VET, appreciates, right? It's like an oil well and oil. If you burn all the oil, well, having an oil rig is going to become expensive. And so that made sense for me. That made a lot of fundamental sense. And so that's actually how it started. And then all the, the other things, like you mentioned, sustainability and fashion and wine, that all came afterwards. You know, a fun, funny, quick side point here. My parents actually thought I was throwing away my money. Now, cryptocurrency, what is this? And it wasn't until somewhere around like 2019, 2020, that they saw that VeChain was partnering with wine brands and luxury goods uh, for, for tracking and tracing. And they finally read that. I sent them some articles and they were like, wow, I understand now. You know, I understand this technology. Chips. I understand why we need it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So fundamentals, the first and main shifts. reason why we yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I feel actually yeah. the same way about my parents. I started investing into crypto about three years ago. And along the journey, I was funny enough to be able to find myself investing into XRP pre lawsuit. And so throughout the whole entire lawsuit, I would just continue to, you know, reiterate to my family, kind of like they're going to win the lawsuit, everything's going to be fine, XRP won't be a security. And then just up until this year, you know, yeah. XRP is now deemed not a security. And it kind of just showed a, a sign of relief towards like my family and stuff on how consistent and adamant I was about something being so true. And then once they realized it was true, after all this kind of false misleading information being in the space, it really changed their whole entire perspective on cryptocurrency and, you know, the possibilities that can come with, you know, a new digital that's asset that's sort of sector. That's a great moment, man. And it really is. Yeah, it was, you know, there's going to be many more moments like that. It's just a matter of when, if and how. Yeah, no, for sure. I still haven't gotten the grandparents on board. The parents was already yeah. a big, a big step, but the grandparents is already a little bit harder. He's like, can I touch it? I'm like, no. Can I see with my eyes? I'm like, no, it's on the internet. He's like, I don't, I, I don't want it. Get it, get out, get it, get out of here. <laughs> yeah, I feel like a lot yeah. of the older generations probably won't necessarily, you know, make that switch to a digital currency unless it interests them and or you know the only way i see a seamless switch happening is if it's just solely back end you know it's not like they have yeah. to necessarily you know transact send to different wallets and do all of these things on their own it's kind of just back in within you know all of the programming and they're just using crypto blindly i think yeah. that's the only way a lot of these older generations are going to get to that point of kind of adopting the technology yeah, for sure. I mean, also a little bit of a point of why we, we like to continue using VeChain, because when we launch our game, because of the way that the blockchain is built, people won't need a, a people will need private keys. They won't need to make their own wallet. Even right now, we already have on the website, you log with your email and you get a wallet. 
And right now it's a BNB wallet because VeChain hasn't integrated with this like Web2, Web3 wallet. But when they do, you'll be able to run transactions in game. VeChain has this thing called fee delegation, which means that I can pay your fees. I can, you can delegate your fees to me. So normally in a game, you'll have to go on, you'll have to make a transaction, pay your fee. Nah, the X-Worlds Foundation will pay all fees. You won't even wow. know you have a wallet. You'll just play the game and like you'll have coins sort of like counting up on the top left. And if you're interested enough to want to learn about it, you totally can. But you won't need to. You just play the game, you know, like nothing crypto. Who knows what's going on with that? We're just playing a video game. And for those who are interested, it's going to be there for them as well. Nice. So let's dive into the, you know, the EXO tokens a little more. Besides kind of the play to earn aspects, what are some of the other tokenomics aspects that you're implementing for this token? I know it's, you know, it's one of those top tokens on VeChain right now regarding market volume on a weekly, daily and monthly basis. So that's great to see, you know, you're getting a lot of transactions, a lot of people trading it. But what are those, you know, key quote unquote utilities that people would consider towards the EXO token? Sure. Yeah. Well, let's go for the higher level ones first which is the more basic ones. We have governance. Of course, we split governance with the exoplanets, the NFTs and the token itself. So we're transitioning to our DAO now. It's a totally massive uh, ecosystem. We're gonna have a steering committee. The committee is voted in by all members. The committee approves proposals, right? So like I'm a, I'm a random person, I'm gonna make a proposal to sort of defend the community of, oh, what if people start spamming crap proposals? Well, there's a committee that's gonna vote on a proposal first. Right, then they're they're voted in by the community. So let's reduce the founders tokens by 10%. Just a random idea, right? That gets proposed. The committee votes on it. Should this pass to the public to vote? Awesome. Okay, pass now the public votes. And it's gonna be for tokenomics, for gameplay, a few company directions. I mean, you can't let everything be community decided, right? There's some things that you you have to run the company, you have to make the decisions on. But as much as possible, it's going to be totally governance based. I wanted to run away from the idea that a lot of times governance is thrown out as a utility. And like, I'm like, oh, yeah, governance, whatever, because it's not really it's like, let me make a vote once a year. And Lucas and I want to do something real, like all the time, a new character is going to come into game. Like, let let the community decide who should that character be? What should their abilities be? Tokenomics, is there something that we need to change? Is there too much? We have a second token, Galactic Credits, G-Cred. They're sort of our utility in-game token, right? So is the inflation too high? Let the community decide right away. So that's one high level. The second one is staking, of course, which again, it's a utility. Personally, fundamentals guy, I don't see it as a massive utility because it's sort of circular, right? Getting one token to get the same token, but it's there, right? So those are the high level EXO utilities. Then we get into some more specifics about the game. EXO isn't used too much in the game because we want it to be Gcred, our utility token, but for very important things like extreme boss battles or buying high level assets, that will be EXO just to give it a little bit of extra utility, right? I want to buy planet assets on the marketplace. That's EXO. And then you said, well, well why didn't you give EXO all the other utilities? Because EXO has the biggest utility of all. To have Gcred, you need EXO. So all the utilities that come with EXO, they're right away transferred to Gcred. Um, all the utilities with Gcred are transferred to EXO. So with EXO, you have in-game attachments, leveling up, companions, right? The skill trees, abilities. 
you want to do a little bit more boosting in game. Boom. Every extra second you boost burns those G cred. Everything you can imagine. List them all out. That's all G cred. And the only way to get G cred is by holding and staking EXO or by playing the game and accumulating it naturally through play and earn rewards. Nice. That's, that's a, just to finish up, that's game-wise. And I hope to become a real true metaverse at some point, we can expand those utilities, not just through the game, right? Ecosystem partnerships. Can other players in, in, in the ecosystem also use our token? If Lucas were on, on this podcast, he would be raving up and down about the ExoWorlds platform. ExoWorlds isn't going to be just a game. We want it to be a platform for other indie studios to come develop, right? Use all our tools. Use all the two years of hard work and lost money and learning curve that we had to go through to build your game, right? We have a lot of awesome plugins. We have a lot of cool technology, and they can all use that. But you have to use our in-game token, right? So add it on utility for the future. Where can somebody go and buy both of these tokens if they're interested in, you know, getting more engaged with the community and joining ExoWorlds NFTs. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, our token is live right now on our website. So exoworlds.io slash mint, you can get it there. We also be opening a couple of DEXs soon on VeChain and PancakeSwap. And the, the short term to midterm goal right next couple of months is to get in a top 20 exchange. You know, we're looking at MEXC, perhaps some others. It depends, you know, what contacts, how, how our contacts evolve. But come over to our website, exoworlds.io slash mint. Yeah, some of those exchanges can be pricey to get on them. I know that just from yeah. prior experiences. But that'd be great, definitely, to see yourself on a you know a, a top contender exchange. It's okay. definitely going to push a lot more you know eyeballs to your token and then potentially to the ecosystem. Yeah, for sure, for sure. I mean, I remember someone was talking to me like KuCoin. It's like five hundred, six hundred thousand. Like those could be old numbers, but it's a lot of money, man. Oh yeah. yeah. There's barely any money in this space too. We're barely a trillion dollar market cap as a whole with over 20,000 cryptocurrencies out there. And yes. I think once we do get ETFs for Bitcoin, potentially other cryptocurrencies as well, I think that's going to change the game and shift a lot more funds into the space, provide more liquidity. And hopefully we will be seeing, you know, 10, 20, 50, $100 trillion market caps for this whole space, which would, you know, it really... It do big things for everybody who's been invested for so long, regardless if you've invested starting yesterday or starting four years ago. A hundred million dollar market cap invested in the right coins, not million, a hundred trillion dollar market cap invested in the right coins. Yeah, oh, yeah. that's a no brainer. Yeah, I've been seeing, I've been counting all the, the ETF companies and their assets, right? Total assets. And it's like all the companies that have applied for ETFs, if you add up their total assets, it's like 30, 40 trillion. Yeah. Right. And so if 1% of that goes in, that, that's not market cap, that's money in, which usually generates much larger market cap, right? So 40 trillion, that's 400 billion in. The market cap effect on that is 10, 20 times. So yeah. it's, it's a crazy amount that we could be seeing. Inside. That's 1%. Yeah. Truly. Yeah. I mean, if you think of just the whole entire world's economy, that's over a quadrillion dollars. And counting but besides the point i saw you know three different three different things on your website it was a 750 dollar and a thousand dollar and a two thousand dollar you mind explaining those i'm not exactly sure what it was i think it might have been regarding the exo token but yeah. correct me if i'm wrong no absolutely it's the exo token so we wanted to the whitelist mint is cool because you get a price off it's like 25 percent off 
But we still wanted to make the public mint attractive because some people would come on and be like, I missed the whitelist. I'm going to maybe wait. Well, we wanted to make things more attractive. So the three packages you saw are actually three of nine. If you keep scrolling, there's even more as you go higher. And they give you special benefits like extra tokens, free NFTs, marketplace fee reduction, and higher staking rewards. So we have a lot of people who they love grinding staking rewards. They want to get some extra NFTs. So yeah, you know, you mint a 2K or a 5K package and you're going to get that exactly. So it's really for the people who want to get a little bit more out of their buck during the mint. That's smart. Yeah, I think that's a smart approach to start bundling things together and give people better options to pick from rather than having to go in and, you know, mint each thing directly individually and there's no necessarily value, additional value at least. Yeah. Well, you know, I'd, I'd love to jump into that a little more because I've seen treasure chests or treasure packages, as people call them before. And, you know, a lot of them are cool. They, they do exactly what they say. You get a little bit of extra for your buck, a little more bang for your buck. And we took it a, a little bit further. So all those benefits that you see, for example, if I'm just going to pull up the mint page right here, I see it. Um, I'll just pick a random package here, 6,000. Uh, it's in the Interstellar Conqueror tier. So you get six and a half percent bonus staking rewards, 20% marketplace fee reduction. Uh, you get a free weapon NFT, you get a free spaceship NFT. So when you mint this package, you're not just going to receive all this all at once. or it's not just going to go into a database. This is actually going to be minted into an NFT called the public mint bonus NFT. And these items that are listed out are actually attributes and they're on, on your wallet, on the blockchain. So, the day, let's say two months from now, when we're going to start minting some cool items, right? We're minting some spaceships. You log in to mint. It's going to, the blockchain is going to register that, hey, this wallet ID, which has this bonus NFT, grants him one free spaceship NFT. If he wants, he can take this NFT. He can sell it on our marketplace. Yo, guys, I'm selling a 6,000 bonus NFT. Who wants it? It comes with a free weapon NFT, spaceship NFT, and you'll get 6% extra bonus uh, staking rewards forever. So we put these into NFTs, which are tradable. And so it's, it's going to be a whole cool dynamic marketplace fee reduction. Let's say we get a player, you know, as the game evolves, we're going to have a lot of NFTs on the marketplace. And there's a guy who I'm trading all the time. I need to save on these fees. He's going to go on and he's going to look for this bonus NFT, maybe a higher one, maybe one that saves 50% off. So it's a whole new dynamic. I came up with it with my blockchain developer to take that those treasure chests to the next level, you know, so really proud of that. So how would that fee reduction work by chance? Can you go deeper into the logistics behind that? Yeah, yeah. So we charge 5% uh, on the Xworlds marketplace. You buy a planet, let's say it's listed for 100,000 VET. So you would play 100,000 VET. The other person would receive 95,000 and the foundation would receive 5,000. Yeah. So if you did that transaction, for example, and you're, let's say you're a seller, you did that transaction. Now, instead of 5,000 going to us, to the foundation, two and a half thousand would go and the other two and a half thousand would go back to you. So you would effectively save on that fee that you would be paying. And gotcha. one single transaction is not much, but especially as the game grows transactions on transactions, I did a small, small you know, calculator a couple of weeks ago. And for someone who's really active, you can save hundreds, if not thousands of dollars in a year. So, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. I, I just wasn't necessarily sure if you're talking about, you know, that royalty it being deducted from that or something else. So I just wanted to clarify and it definitely makes sense. 
Yeah. What is, you know, a Web 2 game that you could potentially compare XO Worlds to if there's any out there? Yeah, sure. The prototype, very comparable to, I would say, a cross between Call of Duty and Fortnite. We took a, a couple of elements of each one, but the metaverse itself, World of Warcraft in space, super high in the future. You know, like an MMORPG, full character. I would also say, you know, higher graphics, better fidelity. So, but in like short words, just imagine a high quality World of Warcraft, super in the future and in space. That's so what World of doing. Warcraft X Star Wars edition. Yes, exactly, <laughs> exactly. And, and and even more, you know, Star Wars gets that sort of retro futuristic tech. Yeah. And we're looking for that hyper futuristic, like you ever see that movie, The Arrival with Amy, Amy, Amy Adams? Yep. You notice that the spaceship that they're going for, and a lot of sci-fi films are doing that, right? The, the cut hard edges, spaceships and technology. That's a thing of like 20 years ago, how they used to make alien tech. Nowadays, it's all more organic shapes, you know, stuff that really you look at it and you say, this is some next level futurism. Dune, for example, is the same thing, right? The spaceships are all organic and round, curvy, smooth shapes. And that's the kind of stuff that we're going for. No, no cables, no screws. Everything is magnetic, you know, interlock, quantum. You got to throw that word yeah. everywhere, right? Energy charges so, it, nothing else. You're yeah. not getting a battery charging it. It's actually, you know, physical energy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's got some sort of uh, neutrino engine inside. You're not going to see any moving pieces or parts. So that's, that's what we're going for. Awesome. Regarding, you know keeping the game's economy intact and sustainable, how do you plan on balancing it? And like, do you have things set out to make sure that nothing will, you know, potentially be more than something else, if that makes sense? Or just like overall regarding the game's economy, how is, how do you plan on managing that and balancing it? No, it's a top question. A lot of uh, big crypto games are done nowadays because of, you know, that question exactly. Yeah. So number one, pay to win, it's blockchain, which crypto, it means money, right? And so it, it brings in that question of pay to win. On World of Warcraft, I can go and buy some gold on the black market and, and get a bunch of items. And we got some ideas from them, for example, how to stop pay to win just a little bit. Just because I can buy the coolest, most powerful item doesn't necessarily mean I can use it, right? I actually have to play the game and level up. So it's not totally broken. The rewards themselves, that's exactly why you need to have a proper governance system, right? If you see that things are tilting a little bit too much, another example, RuneScape, there, the token there is total RuneScape uh, classic, the old school one, totally, totally broken. And Jagex, the company behind them, they don't really care to do anything about it. And the community has no voice, right? Well, Exo Worlds, a community will have a voice. If we see that our play to earn rewards are going to crap, I'm not earning as much as I would. There's bots farming stuff. Well, you know what? It's a community vote. Someone puts a proposal out there and the, the council votes. We bring it to the public and let's do it. Cut the rewards by 75%. It's that simple, right? And a lot of these Web2 companies aren't paying attention to their community. You know, Jagex, Jagex, let's do something. We don't care. We're making millions of dollars. Why should we care? And we don't want to, we don't want to do that anymore. I mean, I fundamentally believe that you will make more money if people are happy with your product. So definitely, someone would say, oh, let's not be greedy, but we can be, I would say greedy in a, in a positive sense, 
because we care about people, right? People want to, to, to be financially involved with a product that is healthy and that listens to their opinion. You know, with the Exo World's Mint, we found that way. We, we listened to what the community wanted and we had such a fantastic mint. Now, what if we took the other approach of, hey, hey, don't, don't give your opinion. We're just going to bring the product to you and you're going to like it. We probably wouldn't have sold anything, right? So anyway, I got a little sidetracked there, but yeah, controlling pay to win through leveling up, making sure you have to play, play the game. DAO structure as well, making sure that if the economy gets too inflated, we can control that. Just two points and right there, you know, it's also an evolution. We're going to see and when we get there, we're going to have to say, hey, do we need other measures? But those two points off the bat are things that many, many games out there are missing in the Web3 space. Well said, definitely. It's definitely, you, you have that structure there. And even if it's just two points, it's a strong foundation that can help, you know, build out and recon reconstruct and restructure things moving forward when and if necessary, of course. Yeah, yeah. Regarding the community, though, how were you able to, one, start the foundation of building that community? Because I know there's a lot of people out there developing, you know, NFT projects of their very own, and they struggle with that community element. They struggle with getting people engaged, getting people interacting, and getting people aware of what's to come. So how does ExoWorlds really, you know, keep the community engaged and aware of what's being developed and how things are playing out. Is yeah. there anything special you do? Obviously, if it was too special, you wouldn't tell me, but yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> honestly, I can tell you because I'm, I'm trying to get a friend to come work with me in the company. He lives in, in Munich in Germany. He was a college friend of mine. And to get him started, me and the guys, we told him, hey, learn everything you can about Reddit, Reddit ads, do present, give us a marketing plan. You know, we showed him like, hey, these are some of the other marketing plans that the guys presented to us. And he went out, I didn't hear from, from him for about two weeks. And he came back to us and he's like, man, like, I just don't get it. Like, I don't know why Exoworlds isn't everywhere. I've been to Axie Infinity. I've been to Star Atlas. Like, they don't engage with their community. They don't do this. They don't do that. All things that Exoworlds is doing. And I was a little bit surprised, you know, because for me, it was normal. What do we do? We make ads. We post organically every day, twice a day. Right, we get our, our marketing guys to make cool graphics on our Twitter page. If you just scroll, you'll see thousands of posts. You know, every day we do two or three. We keep people engaged. I'm on Discord all day, even as as a CEO potentially. You know, in a regular company, wouldn't do this, but one of my tasks is being engaged on Discord all day. So, anybody goes on Discord, the main point of communication is me. I'm always there to respond to questions. You know, giveaways and 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 live events. Sometimes we do the odd uh, marble race, you know, on, on a Discord live. And I was a little bit taken back because Exoworld does all those points. Every day we're interacting. Lives uh, and spaces are something we started doing a little bit more recently. And I really love it. You know, get the voice out there, especially cross-chain spaces, right? Um, Algorand, Cardano, we've been invited to a couple. They're always a lot of fun. A lot of skeptical people. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, Lucas got into a really, really tough space. You know, uh, a couple of uh, Algorand members were asking him the, the tough questions and there's nothing wrong with that. You know, that's good. Um, people are skeptical. A lot of people have gone through rough experiences in the Web3 space. So yeah, just everyday consistency, right? Everybody's heard 1% a day compounded is a big deal over the long run. Definitely. I, I couldn't agree more with that. I say that all the time. 1% every day is very key to anybody's success in any yeah. sort of field. And like you said, getting asked the tough questions, you know, it might be tough in the moment, but 
overall, if they answered with, if they're answered with, you know, all whole honest hearted answers and just genuine responses, nobody should be upset at that. You know, as long as you're trying to provide something of value in the answer and clear that question and not necessarily bounce around the bushes with it, you know, overall people should not be disappointed regardless of being able to answer it clearly to their, you know, to their liking or not. I think it's a smart approach though. And, you know, the community factor is key to any NFT project. If your community isn't there, you're not going to grow and scale to your liking. And you really need that community to be there to play that part. No, for sure. I totally agree. Yeah. So how do you plan on attracting new investors? I th- I know you just mentioned Reddit. And Reddit, you're the first person ever to mention that on this show as oh, nice. a source of marketing and a funnel for marketing. And I think that's really smart. I'm going to actually have to do some more dabbling into Reddit. But I my main sources have always been like X, YouTube, and Discord, of course. But Reddit is definitely a new one I need to start thinking more about. Besides yeah. that, though, how do you plan on attracting new invest- like new players and investors into the game? Would it be... Yeah you know, going for those web two current gamers or is it approaching something different? No, yeah, we're already big on web two. A lot of the marketing we do, we, you sort of hit a wall, especially in the bear market that we're in. The only way we really can bring in those users that you're talking about is releasing the game. Once the game is out, it sort of opens the floodgates. I can't tell you how many users bounce from, we have a good retention rate, but like a ton of them bounce because they come, Hey, you know, uh, so, so excited. I saw the trailer online. Where can I play the game? And then we have to say, Hey, uh, we're sorry. We're still in prototype phase, but it's coming soon. That's a ton of users. And then even on the web three side, we're going back to those skeptical people. They say, Hey, I'm not touching that until I really see. And they're right. They're a hundred percent. Right. Like if, if it was me, I, I would say the same. So web two users and web three users alike, the goal is release the prototype release the prototype, put it in everybody's hands. And after that, I feel like, of course, marketing always have to invest, but it's going to start being so much easier. You know, our conversions, if I were to get some, some side talk in my ear from my marketing guys, I already sort of hear them in my ear. Uh, one of the, the best call to actions that we'll be able to have for converting our users is download now, play now. Right. Our call to actions right now, we're registered for the whitelist. Now we have mint the token. And they're waiting. They're like, yo, guys, you know, our call to action needs to be download the game and track those users, retarget those users. So that's what we're sort of holding our breath for end of October with faith in God, as we say in Brazil, and a lot of hard work. It's going to be out there for everybody. Will it be free to play or do you have to own the NFTs to play? No, we want to get away from that. 100% free to play, but... Owning the NFT has a ton of, if you don't mind, actually, I'll go into some of those benefits. Yeah. The game is totally free to play, but if you have an NFT, you earn play to earn rewards. And if you don't, if you don't have an NFT, right, you're playing, no worries. You can still level up and do stuff. Like I said, way back earlier, you're going to see a little counter, right, of your tokens going up, but they're not real yet. You can claim them and they can become real if you own a planet. And after a certain portion of time, if you don't claim them, they sort of go into this galactic pool that is distributed among planet owners. So that there in itself is like a, a passive revenue, right? For planet holders, like you're a planet holder, all those other non-planet holders, they're playing. And if they don't claim it, if they don't get a planet, eventually that some of that is going to be going to you. 
another portion will be will be taken out of circulation. But yeah, and we wanted to do that because people need to be able to play the game if you want 100,000, 200,000 players. And that's actually the third point of how to control the economy. I mentioned two before, that's the third one. A lot of games allow free to play users to just farm and mine. And of course, if you put in more, you can mine more. But a lot of games that I played, I just hop on and I start mining and I start earning. That's not sustainable, right? So if you want to earn, you totally can, but you have to put something in. And hey, if you don't want to, you want to chill home, just play the game. You can do that too. That's a, that's a really smart approach. I think opening it up to free to play for anybody to you know play just if they want for leisure, yeah. it's going to get people interested. And then who knows, you might be able to convert those free to play users to pay to play. Yeah, and for that sure. could be the biggest conversion and the biggest gainer for you. Yeah. My final question for you, William, today, I just want to say thanks for taking the time. Of course, it's been a pleasure to be able to speak with you, learn more about Exo Worlds. But, you know, what are your plans for the future updates and content releases? I know you kind of mentioned something earlier, but what can, you know, the holders of Exo Worlds kind of expect moving forward? And even people who aren't necessarily potentially holders, just people interested in Exo Worlds. Yeah. Well, you know what? To let me give you a real concise answer. I'm going to pull up our milestones sheet here and I'm just going to give them to you from the top. I feel like that's the best way to do it. You know, where we actually got some great advice from a couple of investors that we were talking to and they said, you know, build out your milestones, see what you want. So shooter prototype launching by the end of October this year. Then we got a galaxy map prototype. I don't know if you've seen videos of that. But we're building what you have. Yes. It is one of the most beautiful galaxy maps out of any of the other games out there. Like I've, I've downloaded and played Star Citizen. And in my opinion, what it's still in development, but just the quality and, and the level of what we're building is totally amazing. So that is coming out by the end of the year. Then early next year, we want to start doing the shooter pre-alpha. So that January, February, March, that's going to be more skins guns, spaceships, all those kinds of things that I was talking about, really putting life into the game. The rest of that year, 2024 is going to be evolving the shooter. So pre-alpha, alpha, beta. Then by the year after that, which is 2025, we're hoping to start doing the RPG prototype, right? So the first few missions, starting the storyline. The year after that will be the uh, 2026 in January. We're going to do the Game, the platform launch that I talked about. So open up the platform with all the things that we've learned, come develop with us, use our token. And then by the end of 2026, we want to get the RPG alpha. So we've done it till 2026 and then even 2027 and 2028 is just developing the RPG, but that's sort of the roadmap for the next three years. And you know, I, I sometimes know that a lot of people do roadmap in months and for us, it's, it's not real, really realistic. We want to be fully transparent and say, hey, this stuff takes years. You know, it takes a yeah. lot of time, but constant developments through the way, you know, every few months, something a galaxy map, uh, pre-alpha, alpha, new skins and stuff like that. Other side stuff is console release, VR release, right? We're going to first release the prototype on, on uh, desktop but repackaging the build for Mac is not really hard. You know, you just have to, have to sort of build the whole game on a Mac version of Unreal Engine, and then you can package it and release it. Uh, that, that's a new feature that came now, I think, with Unreal Engine 5, whereas before you had to reprogram the whole game for a Mac. Wow. Thank God you can just now easily do it. 
So yeah, you know, and I might even, we might, we're even thinking about publishing these milestone lists so users can really get a feel for, you know, what, what I'm talking about here. But yeah, yeah that's definitely. It. I think that's a great, a great starting point would be to publish it to make sure that people are aware of what's come, can get excited, can build up that hype and then move forward accordingly. Yeah. But besides that, William, if there's anything else you'd like to say, by all means, but thank you once again for your time. No, absolutely, man. I'd love, love to have this uh, moment to talk to you. And yeah, just say to all the viewers, come check us out. No pressure or anything. We're here to build a really solid project. We want to build a game first and then the rest follows. You know, So come check us out. If you like us, stay. And if you don't, please give us some constructive criticism. We're here to learn. Amazing. And with that being said, thank you, William, once again. And ladies and gentlemen, this has been the Alt Kings podcast. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe, and we'll see you all next episode. Peace. Thank you, Tate. Bye-bye.